as Dan said, uh, my name is Sam. I'm the pastoral intern here at Southside. Um, and, you know, I'm not the normal guy who's up here speaking. Uh, Pastor John is. Um, and Pastor John's taking some time off that he really needed. Uh, he's got a lot going on in his life. Uh, he's moving, different seasons of uh, things are changing for him. Uh, so we're grateful that we're able to give him some time off um, and some of that rest that he desperately needed going on. But even when he's not here, he's still looking out for us. He's still taking care of us. Um, and he gave me a challenge for this morning. And that challenge was to vision cast, uh, to a vision of where we're going as a church, and a little more specific about the uh, ministry of home groups here at Southside. As the pastoral intern, one of my roles is that I'm taking over is leading the home group ministry of this church and some of the changes. So that's why PJ, as I like to call him, uh, uh, challenged me to give you some of that vision of what we're doing, what we're about, uh, big picture kind of as a church, and then what that kind of looks like. So we have a lot to go over, so we're going to jump uh, right in. Now this is something new for me. I don't have a lot of experienced uh, vision casting or really like uh, casting in general. I'm not a fisherman. No, I just know I lost a lot of credibility with a lot of you. So, you know, hold your judging till the end, you know. Uh, but I'm a millennial, so I, you know, want to know about vision casting. So I do what millennials do, and I throw it in the Google and, you know, search, uh, how, do you, how do you vision cast? And so I learned a few things this morning. And then, especially about casting, I'm going to redeem myself here because uh, we have a definition of casting, uh, and it is to throw something forcefully in a specific direction. Now, if we forget about the fishing for a moment, I've actually been doing this since I could walk. You know, I grew up playing sports. I love sports, uh, baseball, football. If it involved the ball, I wanted to be part of it. Uh, I remember my dad coaching me in Little League pitching, you know, aim small, miss small, all that stuff. So I can, I can throw some stuff, you know, forcefully at, you know, a specific direction. Like, I can do that. So I was really hoping the vision part was something shaped like a football I could just use and we could just, you know, play toss all day long. But as you guys know, vision is not shaped like that. Um, but I did find a really good definition, one we're going to talk about this morning. It comes from Pastor Andy Stanley of North Point Church. He says this, Vision is a mental picture of what could be fueled by a conviction that it should be, or it should be. Or as he puts it, he goes, you can really get this, that gets down to just two words. It boils down to really just two words. And that is a preferred future. That's really what vision is, something like that. You believe what it could be. Oh, man, it could be this. And I really believe it should be like that. I'm going to get there. That's what's going to drive me there. So this morning, I'm going to throw at you guys forcefully a mental picture of what could be for this church and really some of the conviction of why it should be that way. So, uh, but here's the thing. I'm going to be very brutally honest with you. I need your help. I can't really cast vision uh, alone. Uh, it'd be kind of pointless. I'd be like a quarterback in a game of football, you know, throwing a pass and having no teammates to go catch it. It wouldn't really go anywhere. Or like a fisherman throwing a line out into some water and there's no fish in the water. It'd just be like, what? It'd be kind of pointless. So I actually need your help this morning. I can't do this alone. You're going to need to be able to participate and receive some of the things that I'm throwing. Now, if you think about that, that is a really big ask. That's a, that's a big, humble thing for me to ask you guys. I'm, taking this, I'm going to take this very serious because it's not really a joke because you guys actually all think about the future all the time. 
regardless if you're like a big picture person or not, you're like, oh yeah, I love dreaming about this kind of stuff, and you get excited about these conversations. I know as humans, and I'm not a brain doctor and stuff like that, but I love to study this subject, but as a human being, our brains are wired to look for patterns. That's why you guys, actually, we love music so much, because our brains are always looking for what really should come next, and you instinctively do this all the time. Uh, The problem comes in when uh, we have all these um, uh, patterns that we look for in our brain, and when we disrupt them, that like puts our brain on like high alert, like, hey, something's different, something's wrong, we're not used to this, and it actually changes things for you. Uh, this can be good or bad, so I'm just giving you a heads up, that's what's happening. And now, um, I accidentally did this once to a friend, and I don't want to do it to you, so I'm just going to tell you how this happened. Uh, it took place uh, about a year or so ago, I was eating dinner with my friend Greg. Now, my friend Greg and I are like really tight, close friends from high school. He lives in South Carolina, so we don't get to see each other that often. But uh, he was here visiting, um, we were eating dinner, you know, just catching up, how's it good, you know, what's going on in your life, we're uh, sharing different life experiences that we've been going through, um, and then he's, he started telling me about how he's been going to the gym, uh, and like, just been like getting strong, he's in some of the best shape of his life, and how he just feels amazing, and he's just, he's just so passionate about this, and I'm sitting there eating my cheese curds like, oh, uh, maybe you could give me some of that, like you know, what vibe you got going on. So I, oh, I'm so happy for you, Greg. Like, it's so great that you're, like, in the best shape of your life. You know, what inspired you to do that? Because, you know, I, I could use some of that. And uh, he goes, actually, Sam, you did. And I'm like, oh, little old me. You know, my head blew up big. Like, I inspired the greatness in this man. You know, maybe I could inspire it in other people too. So, you know, Greg, tell me. What did I say? What did I do to get you to become this machine, this like phenomenal, you know, workout freak? And he goes, Sam, about a year ago when you and your wife, you know, came and visited in South Carolina, we were out to dinner, um, and you know, I know you were joking. You know, we we teased each other. He goes, Sam, I knew I knew you were joking and kidding around, but uh, you told me there that you said, Greg, you're getting a little chubby. You're getting, you're getting a little fat. And he went home. He's like, I, I looked in the mirror. Sam's right. I'm getting fat. I better do something about it. And boom, right there. Motivated him to be the best man, you know, that he could be. So if you need some motivation this morning, I will be out in the lobby. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to call you guys fat this morning. I'm not going to do that. That is not my goal. I, do not have those intentions. Um, I did some, learn some other things, though. Like when they said, if you're going to cast vision, something you need to do and really well. And that is be clear. Bring clarity. Because I found out while researching this that people follow clarity. Happens all the time. It doesn't matter if it's a company, an organization, a country, a church, a sports team. Doesn't matter. Whatever the group is. People follow clarity. Um, best companies to work for are ones that are really clear about what they do. The best organizations, profit, nonprofit, doesn't matter. They are the best because they're so clear about oh, the what could be, and they're fueled and they're energized by that it really should be, and they're driven to make that happen. Think about championship sports teams, right? The teams that win it are usually the ones that every single player, every single coach, every single 
person that goes into a championship team believe in what it could be to be a champion, and they're all unified going in the same direction. It happens all the time. And you guys see this played out uh, kind of right in front of you, and I'm going to give you an example. Um, and it's, it's a, little, and a little bit of recent history in America. Now, I'm going to bring up some names, some politicians, and if this is like too much for you to handle because uh, this is like trigger some things in you. I give you permission if it gets too bad to just like plug your ears, go la 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 and like run out of here and then I'll have an usher come get you at the end. So, you know, bear with me and I'm not gonna, we're just gonna talk about it from very neutral perspective. We're just trying to find why people follow clarity. And this is kind of a crazy exercise. I was pretty amazed when I did this research. It really surprised me. So here we go. All right, hang on everybody, bear with me. 12 years ago already, 2008, uh, there was this guy named Barack Obama, and he was a senator from Illinois, and he was running for the Democratic primary uh, for, the, for their party so to run for president. Um, can somebody tell me, or maybe collectively, what was his campaign slogan? Change. change. Wow, you can never claim you have a bad memory. That was 12 years ago. You were right on it. Right. It was change. That was, that was what he was about, change. He was so clear. Uh, but yeah, and he was really an unknown senator from Illinois that nobody really knew a whole lot about. In that same race, the Democratic primary, he was going against a character who's very well known, uh, someone named Hillary Clinton. Now, again, does anyone remember her 2008 campaign slogan? Yeah, I didn't either, but I remember change, and I was even old enough to vote then. Her campaign slogan for 2008 was Solutions for America. Now, I'm not trying to criticize anyone or tell you what to believe about their policies and all that. No, I'm just throwing that all out. I'm just saying we're talking about clarity. And now, I'm sure she didn't actually come up with this. I'm sure somebody who was like paid to market her did all this stuff. But if you ask the question, what, who has more clarity about what's going to happen? Change or Solutions for America? Which takes less brain power? Yeah, change all day long. And so Barack Obama wins the nomination, and he beat out the very well-known person in Hillary Clinton. So then, here we go, Barack Obama won. And he faced against who? Who was he running against in 2008, the Republican nominee? John McCain. Now again, same question. What was John McCain's campaign slogan? Nobody? Yeah, it was... Country first. Country first against what, John? It's kind of confusing. It's not really clear about what's about to you know, take place. So we had really change versus country first. So who do you think won? Yeah, Barack Obama then became president of the United States because he brought the most clarity. People followed the clarity. Let's go a little more recent, 2016, right? We had lots of different people running, both on the Democratic side and Republican side. There were so many names. You followed politics. It was like crazy huge drama. And eventually, it got boiled down to just two people, the Democratic nominee, Hillary Clinton, running with the slogan, Hillary for America. And on the other side was a Republican. He was a really kind of strange character, a businessman with some like Hollywood experience, Zero political experience whatsoever. Now, you don't even need to follow politics, and you know what his campaign slogan was. I mean, what was it, people? 
Make, I mean, yeah, everybody and anyone knew Make America Great. Go ahead, Donald Trump. So we had that. So who do you think was going to win? Hillary for America or Make America Great Again? Who brought more clarity on what was going to happen? Yeah, Make America Great all day long is way more clear than Hillary for America. Because guess what? People follow clarity. Now, did anyone ask the question, what kind of character do they have? What kind of competency do they have? Are they going to be a good chemistry fit for our nation? No, none of those questions really got thrown out there. People are just going to follow whoever is clear. We see this all the time. Now, I'm not going to say you should take this to the bank, but let's just take a quick forecast that what's happening in November at this election. If this is the consistency, people just follow clarity, we're just gonna, I'm curious about doing a raise of hands or something, but like, who do you think is going to win? We have uh, Donald Trump running with Keep America Great, or we have Joe Biden, our best days still lie ahead. I don't know which one you guys think is more clear, but whoever usually brings the clarity you know, is the one who wins. That's the pattern we follow in this country all the time. This happens all day long, every day. People follow clarity. And you see this at the national level and at the local level as well. Which actually brings me to a really important question. I need to ask, is there clarity here at this church? You know, if we want to be serious about people outside these walls engaging with us and being part of our community in the direction that we believe God's called us in, do we have clarity about that? Um, I, I kind of am curious, has anyone been visiting our church less than a month? I hate to put you on the spot, but I want to ask you a question. Can you tell me what this church's mission is? I mean, it, I'm, you don't have to get it right or wrong. Yeah, that's close. Yeah, so what we're doing, but you know, what, what, do, what do we want to be known about? What do we want to be known for? Yeah, you got it. But specifically, if I asked every single one of you, would you be able to tell me that? Thank you so much for answering that question. Because um, it kind of changes a little bit person to person to person. And the problem with doing that is we lose our clarity. You know, if we had a, a cow in our buildings, a cow for a moment, and we branded it with or something, we stuck, you know, one, we had one person put a brand on, and there's what, maybe just do this 50 times, and every time we put a brand on there, we change it slightly Slightly different wording, slightly different color, slightly different idea. Eventually, what does that you know brand look like? It looks like you know burnt you know cow because it's been hit so many different times in so many different spots that it just becomes a giant blurb, giant blah. We lose the clarity of who we want to be known for as a church, um, and so yeah, we want to be known for helping people, but so we also want to. Like, oh, we want to make sure people, like, know the Bible, and we want to teach the Bible, and also we lose, we want to help these people, oh, but we also need to do this, and we lose track of what, what do we want to be known for, what, we're tr- what direction are we trying to do, and are, are we, is it simple to understand? So we need clarity. Our church's mission statement uh, that has been kind of the foundation of this church is to connect with God, each other, our communities, and the world. That's what this church wanted to be known for, or wants to be known for. Um, and you know what? I love that mission. I believe 100% in that mission. I know the church elders and the church leaders, uh, Pastor John, and anyone like, who's been here like 20 plus years, because some of you guys have been, and people have been, uh, I know you guys believe in that mission. 
So I asked the question, you know, are we known for this, though? Would people uh, who, you know, don't come here, but at least know we're a church, you know, other people in the area, would they say, oh, yeah, that church, yeah, they're so known for how they connect with God, each other, their communities, and the world? Would they say that about this? Would they say, oh, yeah, they just help us so much connect in our communities. They help us, uh, like, so much. That is just what they do. No one is better than them at this. Now, I'm going to be honest. I'm not trying to attack anyone. This is not me trying to heap shame onto somebody. This is just an observation I found, and it's really pulling at my heartstrings. Um, because I think it's just so critical as a church to be aware of this dynamic. Always, it can lead to some things of feeling shame, feeling like we're a failure, feeling like oh, maybe there's something wrong with us as a church because we're not, we're not getting what, you know, the results we were hoping for. We're not growing. We're not doing the things that people who had like big vision and pictures thought would take place. So um, about 12 years ago, this church did a survey. Now, I wasn't here 12 years ago, but this church did a survey, and I got my hands on a copy uh, to kind of learn about some of the history of the church. Now, for this is not, again, be very, very clear. I'm going to read some things out of that survey, and if anyone who's been there 12 years ago, this is not an attack on you. This is not an attack on anyone who's been there. This is just something I've found, because I think this is so, so critical uh, to understand as a church as we move forward. But I found something that really caught my attention and really got me thinking. Um, so in the survey, there was a question about the vision of the church and kind of the direction it was headed in. And I'm going to read to you two responses that were in that survey. Um, first one is, uh, that we would join God and what he is doing in Sheboygan. Our church, uh, we would need to be more balanced, as indicated earlier. Southside needs to become a praying church a church that ministers to the spiritual needs of members, adherents, and the community. And I found another response that really got my attention. I've had a deep vision for church growth over the last 10 years, yet it just hasn't come. It's always been about relationships that seem to grow the church, finding ways to bring people together to build those relationships. seems to be a weakness for us. Perhaps we've become a program-driven church instead of a people-driven church. I don't know if it's just a sign of the times or the culture we face today. Man, did you hear the heart of the person that wrote it? I mean, did you not take it at face value, but did you take a look underneath the surface of the words that were written? Oh, my goodness. I was amazed by like, how brutally honest this person was. Uh, to whoever wrote those words, you know, I would just remind them, Romans 8.1, I would just say, like, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Like, I just want to say thank you for, like, whoever, like, that people of that church, that time, who love this church, who were faithful during that time, and all that transitions, because they didn't always see what God was doing. They were just, some, some of that just is just a lot of hurt, and that like, breaks my heart to see that. But we do this all the time. I bet you, you see this kind of stuff in your life. And here's, here's why. It is so easy to lose focus of what the mission is when we get distracted by how the mission is going. It's easy to lose focus of what the mission is when we get distracted by how the mission is going. 
Actually, I want you to repeat this like after me. I really want everyone to memorize this. Ready? It is so easy to lose focus of what the mission is. There you go. When we get distracted by how the mission is going. Yeah, that is that is something that will change not just us as a church, but actually you in your own life. Because this will bring clarity instead of some of the chaos that you deal with. This will help you push through when you do understand what's happening around you. If you want to uh, be lifted off of the shame and burden that you feel sometimes of feeling like a failure, it is because so many times we've been so focused on like, how is this taking place? And we lose sight and we forget to look up of what God has told us to do. This will affect us as a church and this will affect you in your walk. Uh, alone. But let's, let's stay with us real quick for a moment. Do we still believe that connecting with God, each other, our communities, and the world is something that we believe what could be? Are we convicted that it should be? Is this still the preferred future that we believe God has called us to do as a church? I 100% believe so. I know the elders and church leaders and Pastor John, they still believe so. Um, and so, do you want to be part of that? Are you starting to catch now what I'm throwing at you? I know this is a little forceful and might hurt, but um, are you ready to receive some of this? Jesus cast a division to some guys once. We find this story in Matthew 4.18. Now, real quick context to this, uh, what's going on in the world around Jesus. He just walked around the desert for 40 days, 40 nights, and then he was tempted by uh, the enemy, the devil. Really, really cool story um, and how Jesus defeated that. And now he sets off in his ministry years, but he's not going to do it alone. He needs some guys to go with him. He's going to do it with some people. And he finds some guys to cast a vision to. Um, this actually became the most important vision, I think, casted of all time. Like, this is probably the vision that changed the course of, well, the world. Let's, let's take a look. Matthew four eighteen, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen, unlike Sam. They actually knew how to fish. Okay, anyway, um, this is the important part. This is the, like, do not miss this. Are you guys ready? Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Talk about clarity. I mean, wow. Jesus, man, he's probably the best communicator that ever lived. Come, follow me, and I'll uh, send you out to fish for people. He gave them what was going to happen. He gave them a preferred future, one that's better than just casting nets and dealing with fish, but actually something that was bigger than all of them, something that they could really buy into. Uh, And now we know, years later, the following Jesus part that he said, you know, come follow me, is the most transformational thing anyone can do in their life. Um, And that vision that Jesus gave Peter and Andrew is actually the same vision that was given to this church. I mean, check this out. Come follow me. That is to connect with God. That's what we're doing when we follow Jesus. And then I will send, send you out to fish for people. That is to connect with each other, our communities, and the world. 
The same vision that Jesus gave Peter and Andrew is the same vision and the same challenge and task that Jesus gives us, this church. Um, so it's critical that we remember this when we make changes and shifts as a church. Like, here's why. Do you remember in that part of that survey where I read, it was at the end, uh, it, and they said, perhaps we've been too program-driven and not people-driven. You know, both, but here's the thing, though. Both program-driven and people-driven churches, that's the wrong answer. We actually need to be a mission-driven church. You know, how can you say, Sam, we're not people-driven? If we're supposed to fish for people, wouldn't it make sense to be people-driven? And I would say, if that's the goal, yeah, just to fish for people, then I would say, yes, then you should be a people-driven church. But that's just part of the goal. That's actually not the whole mission that Jesus gave. That's just part of it. You know, Jesus was not people-driven. I know it's shocking that, you know, the guy who died for us was not driven by people. He was driven by mission. Jesus had no problem with people walking away from him and leaving the gospel. Just if you read the gospels, uh, especially the story of the rich young ruler, who Jesus had no problem with him walking away from Jesus. And yet Jesus loved that guy to the point where he died for that guy. Yet he's okay because he was not driven by people or a program. Jesus was driven by mission. And if you read the Gospels, Jesus models this all the time. He would be like doing some kind of miracle. He'd be teaching to thousands of people, and then he'd just be like, peace, and leave, and go into isolation. And why? Because he would go pray with his heavenly Father. And what was he doing? He was reconnecting with God, his heavenly Father, and he was realigning himself with the mission that the Heavenly Father gave him. That's why we can't be program-driven, because if you let a program drive you, that becomes more important than the relationship that you have with your Father and with the people around you. That's why we need to be a mission-driven church and use that as the lens we filter and make decisions through. So then I need to ask you guys, are you, if you're part of this church, driven by the mission that God's given you. you know, are you ready to kind of follow Jesus in the invitation that he has for us? Do you want to be part of a church that is all about and all known for connecting with God, each other, our communities, and the world? But I'm going to pump the brakes real quick. You know, pull this thing over. We need to have an honest moment with each other before I do that. Because I'm talking about big picture kind of stuff, and uh, it's talking about mission and vision, and I know, like, some people, like, that really excites them, but it's also, I'm going to say, I mean, it can be really intimidating. Um, Like, it can be tough. Um, So I'm going to, let's say, I'm going to ask us to have a moment together as a church and be real and honest with each other, and I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Um, If you have volunteered at any capacity, any leadership capacity, I want you to raise your hand if you have ever felt burned out, if you've ever felt exhausted by what you're doing, if you've ever felt like you needed a break. And it doesn't matter which ministry it is. It can be, I mean, nursery, kids, youth group, home group, uh, the faith, we need faith in action. It could be part of a uh, um, greeting team. It could be part of the ushers. It can be part of worship team, tech team. I mean, it doesn't matter. There's so many roles, you guys, that go into a church. I mean, so many. 
So if you've been any one of those roles, and if you've just been wiped out by it, that it just exhausted you, and you felt like this is not going well, would you be willing to raise your hand real quick? If any part, you're part of a ministry and felt that way. Can you keep your hand raised? And I want you now to look around. Look at the people around you. I wanted you to do that because I wanted you to see that you're not alone. We're a family. We're a church. We do this together. Because when we do some of this stuff, it can just feel like, oh my gosh, how am I going to make it through next week? Because we're so distracted by how things are going and we become weary of what's happening and we lose focus on what we were called to do and why we signed up and why we volunteered in the first place. So then the next time you get asked, hey, can you help us out? Would you be willing to serve? Would you be willing to do this? It just feels like another, you know, 35-pound weight you're putting on your back. Another thing that's going to make you go, oi. And uh, it's going to be really hard to say that because the last time you did that, it didn't go so well for you. You kind of got exhausted, maybe even hurt and tired. But if we're going to do this as a church, we're going to go through all these changes. And we're talking about a building change looking for a new lead pastor, looking to change our church model, I mean, that's going to take energy. And if you're sitting there and you're like, well, last time we did, I went through a change, I volunteered for something, I signed up for something, it just squashed me, this is going to feel like an intimidating mountain that's just going to be sucking your energy away. And it's just going to feel like a never-ending circle, like you're a hamster just on the wheel. And that's all it's going to feel like but we're going to do this together and we're going to be clear about what God has called us to do. We're going to remind each other that we are here because we want to connect with God, each other, our communities, and the world. So all that because we believed in that preferred future because we believe as a church that's what could be. We could be known for that. We could do that. And I am definitely convicted too. I know the elders and the leaders of this church and, people, and you guys, most of you, are convicted to do that as well because that's what you believe in, that we should be that. So all that, just so I can talk about our home group ministry. Um, so I, I, put, I have a little time left. So we're just going to do a quick 5,000-foot like flyover of some of the changes we're making with that. Um, and these changes were made to be strategic like uh, and thoughtful on how we can be more clear about the mission that God has called us on. So I know they're not perfect. I know that. Um, uh, but this is what we believe, God, the direction God is calling us as a church. So go ahead and put that slide up if you would. So these are just a few of the things. So number one is the goal uh, of home groups is, hey, look at that our mission statement, because we cannot accomplish our mission on a Sunday morning. If, you've been, if you're part of this church and you want to be part of, you believe so much that that's what you want to be a part of, that, yeah, that's the church I want to be known for, we can't just do this on a Sunday morning. It's going to take more than that. So this, actually, part of our church, part of this ministry, is what's going to help us accomplish our church's goal. And that, if those things are what's going to take place in our home groups. Uh, go ahead and the next one. All right, so these values that you see up there actually got from gravity leadership. Now, if you're in my home group, you remember these things. We went over them a lot. And people in my home group 
after we talked about them and studied them, started using them regardless if they realized it or not. And these values are what's going to build our culture. They're going to be our tools of how we navigate people dynamics because all you guys are messy. People are messy. Uh, but values help us understand and have a lens to filter out some of these things that we're going to go through. Um, go next one, please. Uh, we have everything pre-scheduled out. Because I like to run by the seam of my pants. Like, sure, in the moment, let's go do this. That, that's that's kind of my personality. But I know most people actually aren't like that. You guys are weird. You like things planned out and have order to your life. So we actually have every date uh, throughout the whole year organi- organized out. It's, it's something like 11 weeks in fall. That's it. Nine weeks in winter and a final four weeks in spring. That's all when you sign up and you commit to a home group. Every one of those dates is already out there with big breaks in between. So you introverts have your time to rest from us crazy extroverts. Like, we do that on purpose because we love you guys. Um, And then next one, please. Um, And we're doing topic-based. I know this is very controversial because some people, like, want more Bible and some people want more of a therapy session. Uh, And really, we're trying to do neither. Our goal is to be topics because we've been talking about risk-taking and everyone relates to risk-taking. And now I can talk about that with you know, my buddy here at church, but I can also not talk about risk-taking and the things I learned about it into my workplace, into my family, into my school, into whatever atmosphere you find yourself. If you are really good and you're like, man, I have so much information about risk-taking, I want to talk about it with somebody, you're not equipped to do that. So is it the perfect answer and solution? No, it's just where we're starting. Um, and we're just going to go from there and learn are we connecting with God, each other, and our community while using some of the resources that we have provided for us. If not, then we'll, we'll keep finding new ways and solutions. But if we can answer those three questions, that's the direction we're going in. Um, next, we are our signing groups. So we're going to have a... Uh, oh, I don't know if it's out there. Aaron isn't here this morning. Uh, but we are going to have a sign-up in the lobby, and you can also email Aaron, say, hey, I want to sign up for a group, um, and we're going to assign you groups. Now, we're doing this not because um, you guys are such, you know, crazy munchkins that we have to control, but we're doing this, though, for the home group leaders, the people leading these ministries. We want, if we're going to put them in a change, like you're doing something different, I want to put them in the best position to succeed. I want to set them up to do well, to be healthy, and so we're doing this so that we can help those leaders who are leading this ministry uh, be in the best possession possible. And I know that's not going to work for everybody, and there's going to be some probably frustration with that, but if we're going to change something, we're going to have to be smart and strategic and ask the question, what's the best way we can do this for people uh, who are going to be leading it and really protect them and keep them healthy and keep going? Because if the home group leaders this, you know, are just exhausted and burned out and they're like, you know what, I'm done, like this is just so tiring— then unfortunately that ministry just kind of goes away and then we're going to have a really hard time accomplishing what the mission God has given us. Um, next slide, please. Uh, what groups are not? This is actually pretty critical just to understand what groups are for, but what groups are not. Because some people like a therapy session, a good cry session, a good like, I know I'm going to take all my problems and frustrations and I'm just going to go and I'm going to be real honest, that's not really the goal. The goal is not to fix you. We're not going to fix you in these groups. We're not going to be able to change your situation and things like that. Now, going to be honest, we're going to be uh, with those values. We're going to connect with each other. We're going to be compassionate. We're going to be you know, curious, all these, all these C words. But if you have stuff going on in your life, we're going to be able to support you through that. We're not going to be able to fix you through that. Like That's the big difference. 
that's going to take place. This is not a place to jump all your problems, but a place to be encouraged about how you deal with and handle your problems. Uh, next one, please. Uh, this is, the goal is not to be really a classroom and you, uh, where it's just to learn information because information does not equal transformation. Just because you know a bunch of stuff does not actually mean you like, change you know, how great of a person you are. It's actually application that changes you who you are and as you learn and grow um, through things like that. Um, and then last one, please. Uh, this is not really a place to get. It's not a place where we're going to say, what can I come and receive? What can you guys do for me? That's not what these are all really about. It's actually the opposite. It's a place where we're going to design it where you can give. You know, you are called to be emptied so God can fill you, but you still got to empty yourself. And that's kind of the mindset and the shift we're making where you're going to be able to give to people and give value and uh, build each other up in this. Um, so, people follow clarity. It's easy to lose focus of what the mission is when we get distracted by how it's going. Are we really going to become a mission-driven church? And then, as part of that, are you guys ready to sign up for and get excited about home groups and the ministry going on? And that everyone felt kind of alone, tired, and isolated at one point? Are you ready to kind of fight back against that? Are you ready to do a healthy community set a new mindset, because we're going to change locations. You know, we're going to be around people that are just a little bit different than us. We're trying to, we're going to have a new uh, lead pastor eventually down the road, and that's coming. But we want to still be with each other and not get, leave people out. And this is one of the ways we can do that. We can't, we can't do it for everyone because we're not a people-driven church. We can't bend over backwards for every single person because then we would lose focus on what God has called us to do. But we definitely our mission to want to be a mission-driven church. So uh, that's kind of all the time we had for the... Well, I have some time for a few questions. I know I just threw a crap ton of stuff at you guys. So I want to make sure that uh, if you have any questions on your mind or things that are really bugging you, like, like now's a great time. Because if you're really thinking about a question, I guarantee you somebody else in this room probably has a similar or same question in their mind um, with all the changes going on. So... Um, yeah, any questions, please go ahead. Yeah, Dan. Uh, great question. Uh, it's going to be really based off of whoever that home group leader is um, and the sense of what they can handle or what they would like to handle. So we're going to be working with them in order to build those kind of groups. So it might look a little bit different. It's going to actually... The biggest thing, and I know because I'm one of you guys, I like to pack my schedule and sometimes you fill it. The hardest thing is going to do is actually location on where and when you're available. Those are going to be actually the harder questions I believe I'm going to fill uh, versus uh, like where are you with your faith. The goal is to get a mixture. I want some of the uh, most seasoned veteran guys, like our like Bill Kerwin, he's like our seasoned vet. And he's got the most experience, like I think of all of us combined. I mean, he's so amazing. Uh, with somebody who's like, you know what, I'm just curious about this Jesus guy. I really want to learn. So uh, the goal is to eventually get groups and they can lift each other up and be encouraged together. But yeah, great question. Uh, anybody else? Oh, go ahead. Yes, a team will, not just me, a team will. Uh, that's going to be kind of the home group leaders and people who volunteer to lead this ministry. We're going to make it a strategic, strategic uh, and discern what God has for us. 
uh, in this choice. But yes, correct. A team will, not me. Thankfully, always we'd be in trouble. I'll call you fat, and then everyone's going to be mad at me, and oh, I mean, it'd be a disaster. Okay, great question, though. Oh, go ahead. All right, thank you. So if you are like, you know what, I'm kind of excited about this, and I'm just ready to commit, uh, I would ask you to please go ahead and sign up, uh, and that just helps us in the process of getting us organized and moving forward with this. Um, we are going to start um, next month already. It's coming up really, really fast. Uh, so, yeah, if you are, like, wanting to sign up right away, uh, please definitely go ahead. And I forgot that that was open this morning. Yikes. Uh, but that was good. Uh, if there's anything else... Um, Dustin, you want to close us this morning in prayer? Thank you.